Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got an exciting show lined up for you. It's about little things and how little things can make a huge difference in your life. We're talking with Bill Hochelle. Bill, it's great to have you with us today. Boy, it's nice to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Bill, your name, I know, in many circles is a household word, at least here in Northern California, you're the owner of the Hochelle uh, Salon and Spas. But for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, no, you're right. I, I do have salons and spas, and I, I've been in that industry for 55 years now. And uh, I was uh, born in Oklahoma and uh, came to California in 1936, raised in the Sacramento area, and uh Pretty much my childhood was I lived in government housing projects and uh, quit school after my 10th year and went to the Marine Corps as in 1953 and got out and uh, met a wonderful lady and uh, got married, had three lovely children, and I was working as a longshoreman and unloading boxcars and ships, and I had a gentleman I was working with have a heart attack right in front of me, and uh, I, he made it he made it through okay, and, and visiting him in the hospital, he shared with me that I need to get out of that that business, uh, because uh, it was so physical, it would break me down, and uh, I, at the time, I was just uh, 22 years old. Wow. And... Uh, So I needed to go find a trade because I had dropped out of high school and ended up going to beauty school, and it was was just a a slam dunk for me, and and I've enjoyed it ever since then. And uh, Fortunately, it's been good to me financially and my family. Boy, Bill, that is a a, a great synopsis of your life story. Really, we're... um... We're excited about your your life journey. I know immediately my listeners, you know, with the show being called American Indian Living, as you know, we have many Native listeners from throughout the world, many indigenous peoples tuning in. We have many people who listen who are not from Native backgrounds. And the minute you mentioned Oklahoma, I know many of my listeners could immediately relate to you. You and I talked before the show, and although like many individuals born in Oklahoma living there, you grew up with an understanding that you had native roots. You're actually not a, a member, uh, a registered member of a tribe. Am I understanding that correctly? So that's 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 correct, and I probably have maybe a sixteenth uh, Indian blood in me. Bill, you know today's show, as I introduced it, it's about how the little things can change our lives. How little things can make a big difference. And as we're trying to get a picture of your life, so you've got some native blood, but others are saying, well, you don't have maybe the deepest roots in Indian country. You can still relate to a lot of the issues, both from your background and then uh, for those that grew up in 
close proximity to uh, uh, government assistance, whether it was uh, subsidies on a reservation, subsidized foods. You grew up in a in a federal housing project. Do I understand that correctly? Oh, that's that's correct. Yes, yeah, I was there from 1942 to uh, 1953 when I went to the Marine Corps. And uh, anyway, we, you know, at that time, I I just didn't realize what it really was. To me, it was it was a home because my family was there. But uh, and once you get out in the world, you realize that uh, you were living in poverty. But mm-hmm. At the time, you don't realize it. So, so you're a man from humble surroundings. And basically, you end up in the military, serving your country. And when you come back, you gave us that synopsis. You start working on docks. Was it in the in the San Francisco area? Well, it was up in, in Sacramento. The uh, I was a member of the ILWU, which is the International Longshoremen's Union. And uh, but we worked out of the port of Sacramento, and uh, worked for different uh, warehouses in the Sacramento area. And so you come to a point in your life where, even as a young man, you said you were just 22, you'd already been in the military, and now you're out working on the docks. Have I got that right at that early age? That's correct. That's correct. And uh, had had two children at that time. Wow, that is amazing. So you're, you're uh, right in the thick of things, and you're talking with a fellow who had a heart attack or ended up in the hospital with what kind of physical problems? We were working. We were working. Actually, we were unloading boxcars, and we were unloading butcher paper, the pre-cut butcher paper, and it weighed out at about you know 35 pounds to 40 pounds a bundle. But it doesn't sound like much. But collectively, if you unload a boxcar, uh, you feel it at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's a very you know it's a taxing job, and it's for a young man. It's pretty strong because it's you know you you're on a time frame to get that that load out and you know they they used to uh, i don't know if they still do it the same but they would drop off a, a box car and give the company so much time to get it unloaded and back online again and it was penalties if they didn't so you know we had to do it in, in a set amount of time but uh, anyway i wanted to find something and i couldn't go back to get my diploma and i wanted to get into some trade, so I, I went into, actually, I wanted to be a barber, and I went to the barber college, and I needed to continue to work my job and go nights and Saturdays, but they, they didn't have those hours available, so my option was I went to a beauty school. Wow. Now, you don't realize this, Bill, but you're talking about a profession that has been attractive to many of my relatives. I actually have an aunt who uh, is in that field, and then a couple of nieces, not actually uh, blood relatives of hers. I mean, you know, you know, they're not her children, in other words, that are either in the same uh, career path or moving in that direction. But it doesn't seem like as typical a career path for a man. Was Is, is that true, or is that just my ignorance that I'm displaying? No, no, that's true. It, you know, it had a certain stigma at that time. And there wasn't many men in the business, uh, in as we call it today, straight men. You know, it was uh, it was pretty much a feminine-controlled industry. And but you know, I, I enjoyed it. I never had a problem with it, and I was extremely successful from the very beginning. And so it's and I've been fortunate enough to 
you know, really traveled almost not all over the world, but I've, I've worked in, I've been in Hawaii and lived in Germany, spent a year over there, worked in London, Spain, and so it's afforded me a good living and, and the opportunity to travel. Well, you know, Bill, one of the things that is so exciting to me already as we're talking about your life story is we're speaking about little things, and every one of us who are listening to the show, you and I as we're speaking together, all of us can look at our lives and there's a lot of things that seem relatively insignificant, but they can have huge implications. And already as we're hearing your life story, this one man who gave you counsel as a young man, this really to a large degree shaped your life, didn't it? It did. It really did. It just, uh, you know, put the, put a little fear in me and, uh, he just, uh, I just saw it happen in front of my eyes, and I didn't want that to be me, so I knew I had to find something that had a little more longevity to it, you know, especially having the two children. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's so powerful in Indian country is that value of looking out for the next generations and the power of, of the spoken word, of, of communicating, of sharing with the, the generations that are, are younger. And so... Right now, one of the messages I'm taking away already from your story, Bill, is for every one of us today, everyone listening to this show, don't hesitate to tell your story. If you've made mistakes, share that with people close to you. Make a difference. Communicate these things because they actually can indeed make a huge, huge difference. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. And, uh, you know, when you're able to express yourself, you impress yourself too, so it's you know it's a it's been a growing situation for me. You know, I I teach a lot in in the industry, and I I find that teaching I grow through teaching. You know, and because uh, every time I give a class on a particular service or something, uh, I I re-educate myself all over again. And that's probably been one of the reasons for the longevity. You know, I've been in it. Mm-hmm. Probably close to fifty-five years, wow. and I still I still go in in the salon uh, four days a week. I don't work behind the chair anymore, but I still train people, and uh, you know do PR. And just it's been very good to me. Now, Bill, there's things that come with success. Some of them are good. You've been talking about some of those, able to provide for your family, ha- having stable income. But there are challenges that come with success in different industries have certain temptations and challenges, and I would imagine your career brought some challenges as well as some good things. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it wasn't all good. I mean, as I look back, I can see that uh, I was inexperienced, and I, like I said, I was very fortunate, and I did well at it, and consequently, financially, I did well. And, uh, you know, I, I chose... There was not a lot of good choices that I made in the beginning. You know, a lot of partying, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs. And uh, I, I was a very, un, I became an unloyal husband, which I'm not proud of. And mm. I lost my wife at that time. She was 44 years old to uh, ovarian cancer. Wow. And uh, it just put me into a tailspin. And it manifested itself in me and uh highs i don't know if you're familiar with highs but you know they're just welts all over your body mm-hmm. and uh, i just i had sleep deprivation because i would just i couldn't sleep for all this itching and 
minutes of sleep at, at a time, and that went on for about three years. Wow. Yeah, and I, I, I know you, you met my wife, Joyce. Right. At Weimar, and she said to me, she's been a Christian her whole life, and, and I, I have too, you know, I was baptized as a baby and grew up Catholic, and uh, Joyce is a Seventh-day Adventist, and she's never, I mean, she just has never drank anything, smoked anything, and, you know, uh, her priority has been Jesus. And we were driving to San Francisco one day, and I was just scratching and scratching and scratching, and it was, I know it annoyed her, and she says, you know, she said, they, you don't have to have that, you know, if you come to the Father, he'll take that from you, but he wants you to ask him. And I said, really? I'm kind of down in the seat, you know, half listening. She says, yes. She quotes a verse from the Bible, which is Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thy will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. And like I say, we were driving to San Francisco, and I, I said, tell me that again, you know, because I, I didn't read the Bible when I grew up. It was just it was mostly you know, like a catechism and just run through my prayers and get out of there in time to go foot, play football or, you know, watch the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told me and told me, and we spent the whole day in San Francisco, and I kept rehearsing that as I was going through, you know, restaurants and shopping and so on and so forth. And we went home that night, and it's about 11 o'clock, and, and there was a book, and it's called Goth My Way by Jack Nicholas. And it was a little paperback, and I used to have it right by my nightstand, and I'd read it just before I went to bed. And um, so my wife eventually took that book and threw it on the other side of the room. I think she just threw it in the trash somewhere if she didn't like me doing that. And uh, anyway, I laid down, and I pictured Jesus face just above me and I I recited that verse and I recited it the first time that I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee and I earnestly prayed I meant every word and I wanted him to, to hear it and receive it and that was now I mentioned to you that I had not slept for more than 20 minutes at a time for probably two and a half to three years Bill we want to hear more about this exciting story but we have to step away for just a couple of minutes. Bill is uh, actually going to share some things about his background that I think you'll find uh, quite interesting and you can relate to regardless of what your spiritual background is. We've got some amazing insights about the powerful, changing aspects of little things. Don't go away. I'm Dr. DeRose. We will be back with more. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. My name is Florence A.Q. For lunch today, I had grilled chicken and squash. I am Zuni Indian, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. My name is D. Dakota Denesosi. I turned the TV off and took my nieces and nephews for a walk. We saw two jackrabbits, an eagle, and zero cartoons. I'm from the Dene Nation, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. 
Science has proven that if we lose as little as 10 pounds by walking briskly for 30 minutes, five days a week, and make healthier food choices, we can prevent diabetes. My name is Barbara Akisakpuk Curtis. I'm losing weight and being more active. I am Alaskan Inupak Eskimo, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. For more information on how to prevent diabetes, talk to your health care provider. For free materials, call the National Diabetes Education Program at 1-800-438-5383 and ask for the power to prevent diabetes. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is Meryl Streep. Over the years, I have played some characters you could call controlling, but the truth is there's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can colorectal cancer. It affects men and women, and it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., which is astounding, considering it's almost entirely preventable. Here's how. Most colon cancers start as polyps, and screening helps find polyps so they can be removed before they even turn into cancer. Screening also finds this cancer early, when treatment works best. For me, screening was simple and quick. It was no big deal, except for the huge sense of relief you feel afterwards. There are several tests that you can choose from. If you're 50 or older, you should talk to your doctor. Decide which one's right for you. Take control. Do everything you can to prevent colon cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose, my guest, Bill Hochelle. Bill Hochelle is the owner of the uh, salon and spas that bear his name in Northern California, He's uh, been sharing with us how he grew up with uh, very humble roots, uh, Oklahoma native, uh, raised in California, had a lot of life experiences at an early age, and then found himself uh, actually the uh, owner ultimately of a chain of, uh, of uh, salons and spas. But we're not really fully into that uh, whole part of the story as to where he's at right now. But we're talking about an, a life-changing experience. Now, Bill, let me see if I understand this setting right. You had been married for some years to uh, your first wife who passed away in her 40s with cancer. Is that right? That's correct. 44. And then, as you mentioned on the show, you and I met, and I will just let the, the listeners know, I think you and I first met when I was working at Weimar Institute in Northern California. Is my memory serving me correctly? Absolutely, yes. And I was a physician there. You uh, actually were there off and on. You've had a involvement with that institution. We'll talk more about that as we go along because uh, that's an amazing story too. But I'm, I've met your wife, Joyce, like you said, but I was a little unclear as to this story you're telling us. You and Joyce are driving. Are you remarried at this point? Were you just getting to know Joyce? I remarried, uh, you know, about about a year after my wife passed, and, and uh, Joyce was a client in one of my salons. She's actually uh, a client of my artistic director, and uh, he introduced us, and, you know, that. I had I had a hard time uh, getting anywhere with her for a while, but I finally, you know, persistently broke her down. <laughs> okay, so I was fortunate enough that 
Go ahead. So you're uh, you're basically attracted to this woman because of her deep spirituality. Was that part of what attracted you to her? No, I didn't realize that. No, it wasn't that so much. I found that out early on, but no, she was just absolutely gorgeous, you know. And uh, you know, the movie Ten, uh, she was she was at least a twelve. So, and but she was just a nice lady, and uh, I was by myself. So I did secure a date with her after several months of trying, and uh, the rest is history. So now I'm interested because we're speaking about little things, and so we're coming back to this story. I know we had to interrupt it because we took a break there, but you were telling us how you're on this uh, trip, presumably from Sacramento area to San Francisco, and Joyce is telling you about the power of the of the Bible, and this was not really connecting with you all that much. You were open to hear it, but it doesn't sound like you were a particularly religious person at that time. Am I right? No, I was not. I mean, I, I believe in God, but I didn't practice it. And, uh, you know, so it was more or less just a tradition, you know. And uh, anyway, I, I, I believe in God and at that time, and I still do, but I just didn't realize that you know, I could have a personal relationship with him. Now, Bill, because you and I have talked in other contexts, I think I know a little bit more about the story. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but tell me if I'm remembering correctly. You were one of those guys that actually would give religious people kind of a hard time. A- am I remembering this right, or is this a, am I confusing you with someone else? No, no, I never gave anybody a hard time. I just, I, you know, it was more or less a tradition, you know. I went to church on Sundays, and I was, you know, I was polite to to pastors and ministers and priests, but uh, I just, it was more or less a tradition, and, and uh, you know, I wasn't against it, but I just really wasn't involved in it that much. I didn't put that much value in it. Good. I'm glad you, I'm glad you set me straight, because here I'm thinking that you were maybe kind of one of those rabble-rousers and, and didn't... No. Okay. Good, good, good. So... A lot of folks who are tuning in today can relate to just the story you're you're telling, and I personally can too, because I grew up in a religious tradition. Uh, many people in Indian country and outside of Indian country have that same experience, and for some of us, it's going through the forms. It's you're not against anything, but it's just not really making a huge impact in your life. And I I kind of hear you saying that was pretty much the story with you. Yes, yes, yeah. So what exactly. happened? So let's go back to that uh, that fateful evening. Joyce has been telling you about God's promise of peace. You find yourself in a hotel room, but bring us back. Just recap a little bit and, and then tell us what happened. Okay. Well, I don't know if I shared this, but I was not a loyal husband to my first my first wife. Which, if I could relive my life, that's the one thing that I would change. Mm. But. I wasn't a loyal husband, and when she passed away, uh, I had so much guilt that it manifested itself in in, um, hives, you know, and I could get no sleep, and I had sleep deprivation. I was a mess. My whole body, I had to wear long sleeve shirts because I was nothing but scabs all over. Mm. And uh, so we'll fast forward. We got home from San Francisco about 11 o'clock at night, and... uh, I'm laying down, and, and I had memorized that verse because Joyce had been sharing it with me all day long. And I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to the Father. I'm going to ask him to 
take this away from me. And uh, I closed my eyes, and I had a vision of Jesus right over the top of me there. And um, I said, uh, I will keep him the perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee because he trusts in thee, and, which is Isaiah 26, verse 3. And I said it once, and I remember saying it twice, and I started to say it the third time. Now, what you need to know, I had not slept more than 20 minutes at a time mm-hmm. for several years, a couple years. And that was about 11 o'clock at night. I woke up, it was 4 in the morning. Wow. So I had five hours sleep, and it just blew me away. I mean, I just couldn't close my eyes after that, and I thought, you know, what has happened here? And I did that every night, and in, at the end of about three days, I virtually, my body was scab-free. The itching stopped that very night, and then uh, I had no scabs or scars from it and never had it since then. Well, you know, that just kind of blew my mind, and it scared me, and it convinced me that there is there is a Jesus, there is a God, and he's our friend. you got to come to him. Well, that was my aha moment. That was my miracle. It just changed my life, and I wanted to know more about it, and, and I made my commitment to it, and... So that's that's just my story, you know, and I don't know if it's a miracle or a consequence or what. But it's Bill. What, what's exciting to me about the, the the whole topic that we're looking at on this show is how little things can make a huge difference. And so far, the two things that have jumped out at me from your story are how when someone has shared something with you, no matter how big or how small it may seem to be. The, the spoken word, the shared experience of someone can change a life. It first happened with a, a fellow worker in a hospital who said, Bill, find another profession. This is, you know, you can't, you, your body's going to break down. Whether, that yes. was, whether it was true or not, you believed it, and it changed your life. Yes, it did. It, it did. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it, it made an impact. And now you're telling us the story about your, your second wife, about Joyce, how she was sharing with you a simple principle. Many of my listeners do come from a Christian background. They're listening to this, and they're, they might even be saying amen, or they're, they're just so thankful to hear this. Others don't really have warm feelings to the Christian religion, but I would say from their perspective as they're listening, they've got to be impressed with the fact that here's someone who took an interest in you. Yes, it was your spouse. But she shared something that was of value to her, and you applied it, and it made a huge difference in your life. Well, like you said, we're not going to have a big discussion as to whether it was a miracle or something else going on. But I'll tell exactly, you, exactly, exactly. You, you've got our attention. But I want to go back to something because you touched on something a couple times. There's a huge issue. It's not a Native American issue per se, but it affects people throughout Indian country and throughout every other demographic in the U.S. and beyond. And it's this issue of drugs and alcohol. And uh, you really told us early on that when things were going good for you and you had that disposable income, some of your funds were going in that direction. And then you mentioned, I didn't hear if there was a, a direct connection or not, but then you started speaking about being faithful to your spouse. Were those things connected? Was it the drugs and alcohol that you felt had a... Uh, a weakening influence in your home? Well, I I think it attributed to it. Uh, you know, since then I I just come to the conclusion, and I'm I'm not a doctor myself, but what 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 the drugs and alcohol did, it just uh, took me away from reality, hmm. and it was an escape from reality. 
and I, di- I didn't realize that, you know, I, I was probably in worse shape, but at least I didn't have to deal with a lot of the things that bothered me in my life. But, and then when I would sober up, then I had, I had reality in front of me. And so I, it, it was very difficult for me not to be in that state because now the responsibility was on me. Until, and here's the, until I gave it up and gave it to the Lord. Hmm. And that's, to me, I just, I didn't carry it around anymore. And I just gave it to the Lord and I asked him to take it from me. And uh, I don't, I don't deal with any worries anymore, uh, not just in my personal relationship and in business or, you know, whatever, it's what it's supposed to be. And uh, God has a plan. And I just turn it over to him mentally in my mind. You know, I just ask him into my life and, and I give it up to him and let go of it. Bill, these are, these are uh, powerful, practical lessons from your experience. We are going to come back in our next segment and talk about something else that I know is close to your heart, and that is the power of lifestyle change in a, uh, a residential setting, doing it with other people. A lot of Native American tribes are interested in this. You've got an amazing experience that we want to talk about. We're going to be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be right back. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. I'm Karen, and two very important people in my life, my husband and my father, have been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation, or AFib, is a type of irregular heartbeat. People with AFib are five times more likely to have a stroke than people without AFib. Talk with a healthcare professional today about your risk and learn how to manage AFib to prevent a stroke. Visit stroke.org slash AFib to learn more. My name is Mira Batra. I have been in this country 32 years, and this is how I live united. America has always been the land of promise, and in my community, many families have come for a better life. Coming from another culture myself, I know the desire to become part of a community, to feel at home and to gain the tools for our children and families to succeed. So I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to look beyond their histories and to see what opportunities are available. We help them get involved with their kids' schools, network within the community, and when we do, we unite them. We make the community stronger. What I do is something I wish someone had done for me, and I am so grateful I am able to. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunities and succeed. I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Did you know that 63% of homes contain allergens from cockroaches? And that mice spread potent asthma triggers found in 82% of homes. It's true. Common household pests are major offenders on the list of indoor allergens. Learn what you can do to help your family breathe easier. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association and the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm speaking with Bill Hochelle. Bill is the founder and owner of a chain of spas and salons in Northern California. He's been talking about some things, small things, apparently little things that made a huge difference in his life. One of the messages we've been getting is don't hesitate to share your life experience with others. It can have profound implications. But now we want to segue to something else. Bill and I met, as you've heard on this show, if you've been with us from the beginning, at a place called Weimar Institute. Weimar Institute is in Northern California. It's outside the town of Auburn, California. And if you don't have much in the way of geography when it comes to the northern part of the uh, state out there on the far western part of the U.S., Auburn and Weimar itself are off of I-80, Interstate 80, which runs between Sacramento and Reno, Nevada, uh, ultimately running past the, you know, the, the Lake Tahoe area there and route to Reno. So, Bill, you and I met there, but I'll be honest with you, even going into this show, I absolutely have no idea how you ever learned about Weimar Institute. Well, it was actually it was through my wife. Like, like I had mentioned before, she was raised in that tenement. And she had been up there, and she presently donates all of her time up there. She's an interior designer, so whenever they call her and they need some help in that area, she, she's up there. And um, I, had, uh, I found myself, uh, I became a diabetic, and, uh, you know, wanted to start taking insulin, and she told me, you know, you don't, you don't have to do that. Uh, I'll take you up to Weimar and uh, introduce you to their program up there which is basically uh, vegan eating. And I was, like I mentioned, I was, I was, I'm from Oklahoma originally, and my family around Oklahoma and Kansas and Texas, and we, we were raised on grease. So, I mean, I'm, my weakness is fried chicken and biscuits and gravy and, uh, you know, all the things that are bad for me. And, uh, I, you know, I'd eat my vegetables, but not much, and, and uh, I didn't exercise a whole lot either. Uh, so... She took me up there and, and met some people who uh, worked there, and they started explaining to me about walking and how I could change. I could get rid of this, this, di- this diabetes just naturally without any medication if I did these basic, all these basic rules of living, and that was basically uh, walking and uh, nutrition and rest and exercise and uh, the last be trust in the divine power, and went up there and met some people and who had actually been through it, and it was it was amazing. It was like a miracle. Weimar was uh, it was like I say I've lived in this area uh, since I was a young adult, and it was a uh, tuberculosis sanitarium for 15 counties at one time. So I think there's about over 400 acres up there in the pines, and so I went up there and. and uh, Went there for their 18-day program, and it was amazing. I mean, I had, didn't have to take any medication. Uh, I lost lost weight, lost 14 pounds. Found myself walking seven, eight miles a day, and tons of energy. And I thought, wow, this is this is unbelievable. Mm. And actually, uh, doctor, my whole family, I've sent all my children through. One of my employees, I've sent up there. Uh, and it's not all about diabetes because, as they taught me, was that 
one size fits all when it comes to, you know, hypertension and heart and diabetes. It works for everything. And it's, it's I have I have one son who's had some major drinking problems and a handful of DUIs and, and even took him up there and, it, and he just embraced like as a matter of fact he says, you know, if somebody says you can go to Hawaii for two weeks you can go to Weimar, he said I'd pick Weimar. Wow, that, they just, that is quite a fabulous. testimony, quite a testimony. And, you know, for those who are, are listening and they're saying, you know, it's kind of going by pretty quickly. Let me just step back for a minute with you, Bill, and mention just a few things. You know, first of all, because we're on a show called American Indian Living. This is something I don't think you know, Bill, even though we've we've spoken in the past is before I came to work at Weimar Institute there in Northern California, I had worked at a couple of other centers, actually several others. One of them was called the Lifestyle Center of America, and that was in Oklahoma. We worked with a lot of people in Indian country there in that venue. And the facility actually was doing something very similar to what Weimar was doing, like you explained it plant-based nutrition, lots of exercise, stress management, you know, the the whole picture. Why I'm sharing this is because while I was there in Oklahoma, we partnered with some researchers at the University of Oklahoma. There is a center there for Native American health in Oklahoma City, and they actually helped us analyze some interview responses from Native American participants in our program. And one of the interesting things we found as we talked with First Nation peoples is they said this approach, this natural approach, this approach that uses diet, that uses exercise, stress management, natural remedies, herbal therapies, this is like our traditional Native American values. So even though... Absolutely. Yeah, so even though the program at Weimar is not billed as a Native American program... It really is embracing many of these things that Native American elders have held in esteem for centuries, like you said. Yes, I can see that. So, Bill, I can see that. You go there for just 18 days. You were overweight. You had diabetes. Were you on insulin when you showed up at uh, at Weimar or not? No, but they were going to start me on it. The doctor had told me that you know I needed to get on insulin, and, and that's when Joyce said, "No, you're not going to." You're not you're not going to take any medication. You're not going to get started on that. And her first husband was was a diabetic, and uh, he didn't he didn't stick to the program. Hmm. And then I I also had a my brother-in-law lost both legs to diabetes, and he's since passed. But and he used to, he used to laugh at, at Joyce when she tried to get him up there. He just preferred to you know shoot up his insulin. You know, carried it around with him all the time. He wouldn't he, he couldn't see any value in it. You know. These these sound like little things, Bill, getting back on a simpler diet, exercising. But this show is about the power of little things. And it's not just people's words and encouragements, but you ended up at Weimar again because of your wife's influence, right? That's that, uh, exactly right. And, uh, and, of course, the power of prayer. You know, I mean, if I, I don't have the education to become a pastor or anything like that, but I would like to someday work with people, you know, to share share my story, and, and I mean, they don't have to believe me, but I can just tell them what I'm telling them is a fact. It's, it's crazy that it can change the natural things, just eating plant-based food, 
exercising and sleep and, you know, water, water, water. And uh, it's amazing. Well, tell us about this water, 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 because we were talking just a minute ago about alcohol and, and, and drugs. At Weimar, I mean, I know the answer to this, but tell us from your perspective, did they, did they make it real clear to you that you shouldn't be using any alcoholic beverages while there at the facility? Well, they did, but they did in such a nice way. I mean, they don't condemn anybody. Uh, you know, they're very empathetic, and, and they, they give you what they, they give you tools. Okay, they give you tools, and it's an education. So, uh, it's the simple things. You don't have to be a doctor to figure it out. Just very simple things, and you see the results happening in front of you. I've seen miracles there. I mean, I've been I've been up there. Like I said, I've I've been up there myself twice, and my family. And uh, one story I might share with you, my brother, I don't know if you ever met him, but he's living up in Washington, my younger brother. And I flew him down. I saw him at a family reunion, and he was about 50 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. His eyes were all dark. He could hardly move. He couldn't walk, he couldn't walk 50 yards without sitting down. And uh, he was pretty heavy uh, insulin user. And I don't understand the measurements of insulin, but I know he had a little suitcase he carried with him. And... Uh, I, my wife said to me, "You have to, you have to, you have to invest in your brother. You have to bring him down here and introduce him to, to Weimar." And uh, again, I mean, he loves to eat, and they're all bad foods, you know, all the gravies and and, and uh, chicken dumplings and just. Well, you know, he he came down and <clears throat> he lost 22 pounds. The day he got there, he couldn't walk around. They have a flag there. He said he couldn't walk around it more than one time, which would be about 75 yards. When it was over, after 18 days, he was walking eight miles a day. Wow. Lost 22, 23 pounds. All the, all the bags under his eyes went away. When he went home, his family didn't know who he was. Hmm. Now, the sad part is he just got out of the hospital because he went back, and my wife is really upset with him because she, she hardly will even talk to him about it. Because we invested in bringing him down, and he just went right back to eating the wrong way and not exercising. Well, he just got out of the hospital, and he's got right now. He's got uh, he did a carotid artery surgery on his on his neck, where they opened up that artery and sliced it and dug out the plaque and then sewed him up. And now he's got uh, he's, he's got a catheter in him because he's got urine in his blood. And I mean, he's, he's just a mess right now, and he gained his weight back. So we're praying for him, but uh, if he would have just stuck to that, because he, he was doing wonderful, you know. Well, you but know, it seems like it's too simple. Yeah, I mean, this this is actually, I'm so glad you shared this part of the story, because this is the problem we have with simple things that can be life-changing. We underestimate them. We underestimate the importance of counsel. We don't We don't share our experience with people. They can't benefit from us. If if someone shares something with us, we may we may actually not listen to them because it seems so simple. But you've been sharing exactly. with us Bill, stories where people shared things with you. You took those ideas. You took what was communicated. You ran with it. Your life is different. And now you tell us about a lifestyle success story in your brother, just like you. But he goes back to his old way of living. Do you have any insight into that? Why is it that sometimes, in spite of what we know, what we've heard, what we experience, we go back to our old ways? 
And that's a sh- that's a shame. I mean, it's you know, like I mentioned to you, I go in the salon, you know, four times a week, and there's about I'd say about seventy-five to eighty kids in there. Most of them are probably average age is about twenty-six years old, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I try to share with them this experience, and they just look at me. They think I'm crazy, you know, and I tell them they're, they're not interested in that, you know. It's just they want to party and eat, eat, and that, that's about it, you know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you do to get people to understand that, but I hope that I never get that way again. You know. Well, I'll tell you one of the native values that I appreciate on this topic is respect for elders, and you're sharing something from your years of wisdom and from your experience. And I know on this show, American Indian Living, people are listening and they're hearing the story of Bill Hoshell. They're saying, you know what? If this can make such a huge difference in his life. I bet it could make a difference in my life. Listen, if you want more information about Weimar Institute, I'll give you the website right now before we step away. It's newstart.org, newstart.org or newstart.com. Uh, you can use either one. That's Weimar's New Start program. And we will double-check uh, here at the break, make sure I'm not misinforming you. I didn't really come prepared to give out their contact information. But we will be back with a final segment about Bill Hoshell, life-changing insights, the power of little things. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept, you don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once, there's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down. Hang up. Pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at DecideToDrive.org. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons who would rather help keep your bones strong than put them back together. We are here to say a word about cancer. When you talk to someone who has been diagnosed with cancer, be positive. Be supportive. That's it. Stop right there. Don't start telling them about your Uncle Vern. Or the next-door neighbor. Don't be grim. Try not to disappear, either. Don't cross to the other side of the street. Don't stop calling. Don't cry. Don't ever say, you're living my worst nightmare. You know who you are. Here's the important part. Be positive. Be positive. Se positivo. Say these words. You will do great. Keep calling. Check in. Be a friend. Or be a new friend. Be a supportive. Positive friend. Smile. Try not to be afraid. Or act afraid. Fear is not useful. Be a funny, hopeful human being. If you come across cancer, let it transform you into your most positive self. And inspire. Urge. Fortify. Rally. Encourage someone to do great. This message brought to you by Cancer Survivors. For more information, to hear stories or share your own, visit DoGreatCampaign.com. Do great. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for the final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Today's show is dealing with the little things, the little things in life that can have a profound difference. We've been talking with Bill Hochelle. Bill is the founder and owner of the chain of uh, Hochelle uh, salons and spas in Northern California. Bill, I know we've been talking about a variety of things. A- at the end of the last segment, I gave out some contact information for Weimar. And while we were on break, I did have a chance to check that. That is true. You can go to newstart.com or newstart.org. We'll redirect you to newstart.com. That'll give you information about Weimar. By the way, they got a lot of free information there. And um, I don't have any formal affiliation with Weimar anymore, but I was there on their uh, team for some four years. They've got a lot of my free videos and things on their educational site. So that's uh, free if someone actually uh, thinks like one of my friends once told me that I have the perfect face for radio. You can check out some of those videos (laughs) and see if you agree. But, Bill, let's come back to this theme, little things. I was, I was impressed by a contrast because you told us about your experience. When you were in your early 20s, an older individual gave you some counsel, said some profound things. You actually followed them, changed your life. But it seems today when you share things with your employees who you say often are in their mid-20s, most of them don't seem to be interested in what you're communicating. Did I hear that right? Well, yeah, you heard it right. The only time the only time they really listen is when they have to. In other words, they're they're up against the wall, you know, either health wise or financial or, or whatever their their challenge is. You know, then they'll listen. But it seems like that's the way life goes, isn't it? I mean, you you go along, you don't think you need the Lord, you got everything handled yourself, and then bingo, you know, you're back to the wall and you can't handle it. Yeah, I, I appreciate your observation because. We're talking about the power of little things, and to me, one of the most powerful things that has come up again and again on this show is the the influence of personal testimony, someone sharing what's made a difference in their life, someone sharing advice, and I don't know what it is. When we're younger, it seems like when everything's going well, like you said, it seems like we got it all figured out. We're just having a great time, and we don't realize sometimes that we're running our lives into the ground, or we're running the lives of our loved ones into the ground. You shared that with us as far as your first wife, that you felt your decisions were so impactful on her that it robbed her of her health and her life. I mean, do you still feel that way? Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I probably, uh, I don't know if I could have changed any of it, but I, I, I feel that, you know, the choices you, the choices you make, I mean, there's a price you pay one way or the other, you know, and it's, it's the little things for me, and I, you, you talk about that. You know, they say a, uh, in a horse race, the the difference between first and second is just a nose, but it could be a million dollars mm. in prize money. Uh-huh. So uh, it is all about the little things, and it's about the details. For me, I just, if I let those little things start creeping into my life and don't get control of them, i got to turn them over to the Lord. You know, I just go to God, I mean, on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. And he takes it away from me. You know, I could never, I could never, never, never uh, go through life without the Lord. That's just the way it is with me. So, 
I mean, it's different for other people, I'm sure, but for me, that's that's what it is. Well, Bill, and I'm not a. I want you to know, I'm I'm not what they call a Bible thumper. I don't preach to people because uh, I know they get turned off sometimes. I don't. I try to just do it by being friendly and helping people and uh, sharing when they want when they want want to know. I'll share it with them, but I don't go around preaching to people. Well, Bill, your your testimony is powerful for a number of reasons. You're sharing a your heartfelt spiritual conviction. I can relate to that. I know many people listening can. Others are saying, you know, I'm, I don't come from that same perspective. I'm like some of those employees in the sense that I don't feel a need for that right now in my life. But regardless of where someone is at on that spiritual journey, regardless of whether they say, I relate to more Native American spirituality, whether they say, I, I can share that Christian perspective that Bill's talking about, I don't think we have to limit the dialogue to that dimension because you've shared so much with us that really speaks about the broader life choices and our lifestyle choices in particular. Let's come back to that Weimar experience that not only impacted you, but has impacted your family. You mentioned a number of things that were emphasized there. You talked about this new start program. We didn't walk through the whole mnemonic, the nutrition and exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and Mm -hmm. trust in divine power. But um, all seven of those first elements, they don't mention anything about spirituality. It's just the last one. So let's focus in on one that we haven't talked about because I think it's especially relevant in our dialogue. In that New START acronym, one of the elements actually is temperance. We haven't used that word on the show, but we have been talking about it. What what does that mean to you, and why is that important, regardless of what a person's spiritual background is? Well, I have to be honest with you. I, I'm I'm not sure what temperance really is. I mean, I see it as will. Is it willpower? No, I think you're right on. I mean, that's you're you're exactly right on. Temperance, uh, as we would often define it when I was there at Weimar, it was it was totally avoiding things that were harmful. And using things yes. that were good in moderation. So yeah, you're exactly right. I I didn't yes. mean to yes. put you on the spot to give a, a definition that I that's had to okay, give but up that's, front. That's the way I see it. It's just yeah, you know, being temperate in all things. I guess not too much, but applying your willpower, yeah. not your willpower, but God. You know. The the reason I asked about that, Bill, and I, I know it's it's one of the it's it's one of the more nebulous ones, and many alumni like yourself, I I would guess. Their takeaway point is willpower. I've got to make good choices, and I think that's that's right on on target. So today, people have been listening to your story. They've heard you make, I would say, in your personal testimony, an eloquent appeal to consider turning their problems, their life over to God. That's number one. I I think that came out so clearly, but. Let's say someone says, well, I just want to put that to the side. That's not where I'm at. There were some other decision points that you really talked about. If you were speaking to the listeners, and basically you are right now as I'm giving you the mic, so to speak, even though it's a phone connection, what would you tell people? What other things can impact their life if they say, I don't want to hear this spirituality stuff? What would you tell them? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm a vain person, you must know. And I know that if I... You know, I'm not extremely overweight. I know I'm going to look better in my clothes. Uh, I'm going to look healthier. 
Uh, it's kind of like uh, da- Daniel, you know, the Daniel's diet. You know, they ate nothing but vegetables and water, and they're ten times stronger and ten times wiser and ten times better looking than the ones who ate the meat. And that was another thing that really impacted me was mm. the story of Daniel. Um, the Just feeling better and being able to participate in life. I mean, I'm 80, and uh, I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I can... I drive myself wherever I want to go. I participate. I play golf four days a week. Um, you know, and I need that. I know I couldn't do it unless I had my help. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you're in a position that you can do something about it by making the right choice, it just makes sense to me. Why not do it instead of waiting until you, it's not your choice anymore and somebody's got to feed you and somebody's got to, you know, take care of you when you can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's to me, and I get I get frustrated with people who just don't see that. Well, my brother being one, you know, I just I get angry with him. You know, not only the money I spend on him, but I love him as my brother, but he just he doesn't listen. You know, mm. so I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's that's how I feel about it. I mean, it's not just it's just basically living a better lifestyle and being being able to participate in life, and that, that's the one thing. You know, Bill, I so appreciate you bringing our closing thoughts to this topic because what medical research has shown is that many people are more likely to be motivated by things that affect how they look, feel, or function than just the fear of disease. And I'll I'll just be honest with you. I see you not infrequently. We're, you know, we're both living here in this Northern California area. And I mean, to me, you don't look 80. In fact, you got a whole lot more hair than I've got. So you're obviously, uh, you're obviously, you know, doing. Well, you got to l- use my product. Uh, maybe that's maybe I haven't been to those uh, the salons. That's that's my problem. But hey, I'll tell you this: you have really shared some amazing things with us. It, they may have sounded simple, but they're powerful. And I so appreciate the message that you're closing out with. And that is, we're not just talking about living longer. We're talking about living better. You can look better. You can function better. And it comes to you when you exactly. embrace these simple habits. Any final words as we uh, as we close out today? Well, just I just want to continue with that a little bit. You know, is that you, you don't depend on other people because most of the time they're going to let you down. You know, so you, you got to take care of yourself. Wow. I just want to thank you for uh, listening to what I have to say, and I hope I hope that it helps somebody. And uh, if I can help in any way, let me know. I'd be glad to you know talk with them personally or whatever but uh, it's out there all you got to do is do it you know tremendous bill bill hochelle thanks uh, so much for joining us we have got to run you've been listening to american indian living i'm dr david derose as always wishing you the very best of health native voice one the native american radio service